there's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. <laughs> okay, it's recording now, so all this antics, I might keep some of it, I don't know, we'll uh, find out. Okay, so, hey, welcome back to another episode where we're asking, am I crazy? And who I have with me today is two software engineers, and we're going to be diving into the topic of blacks in tech, or blacks in the relationship to technology. As we know, being black in Silicon Valley can be quite lonely. Proof is in the numbers when blacks make up only 5% of the workforce when the majority of the tech workers are white or Asian men. In fact, only around 1% of the tech employees in the Bay Area are black. Local historian and diversity advocate John William Templeton told the New York Times, so not seeing people who look like you can very quickly seem like a lonely place. Has society given Silicon Valley a pass on diversity because there are so many Asian and East Indians in the sector telling itself we have so many Asians and East Indians well that's diversity so it's not an issue or is it that blacks are just not into tech careers if so why not or what roadblocks do African Americans face when it comes to their relationship with computer science and technology we'll be tackling that and more in today's episode in an effort to find out am I crazy All right, so with that said, welcome William and Lauren. They are software engineers here in the Bay Area, and they have a few things they want to share. And quite honestly, I'm looking forward to being enlightened. So feel free, introduce yourself. All right, so um, hello, everyone. My name is William. I'm a software engineer, Livermore National Laboratory. So I'm not a Bay Area native. I grew up in Mississippi, rural Mississippi. So uh, I've been out here for about five years, been, you know, been software engineer the entire time. Uh, so it's, I have a Did a, you, um, were you a software engineer in the South too, or just here primarily? Oh no, I moved here um, as soon as I finished college. So I uh, went undergrad and graduate school at Mississippi State University. So as soon as I graduated, I moved out here and began my, first, began my career out here. So ever since you've been in the Bay, you've been involved in tech and everything. That's correct. So Beautiful. More, and, more just, and despite his Barry, Barry White uh, familiar sounding voice, uh, you, he is an African-American. Don't worry, you're not racist. It's real, okay? All right, and uh, who else do we have? We have this beautiful young lady with us today. Hi, I'm Lauren. Uh, I'm a software engineer at Unity Technologies. Um, I've been working in the industry since about 2012. Um, went to school for computer science as well at University of Pennsylvania. Beautiful. And uh, I spent some time at Apple and Google uh, before I was at Unity, um, mostly doing mobile apps. Awesome. Were you doing it before school? Were you involved with tech or? 
Uh, yeah, so I, I majored in computer science and uh -huh. I started learning how to do mobile apps when I was maybe a junior. Uh -huh. um, and it kind of took off after that. I ended up doing an internship at Apple after my senior year and then came back for a master's and then went from there into um, more mobile contracting and work like that. What influenced you, influenced you before your college choice and your career choice? So video games. Oh uh, that really? Was, that was the thing that, and um, you know, Fuller and Laura and I you know, know each other pretty well. I think we—that's kind of what both led us to it. But just yeah. me personally, um, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in rural Mississippi. I grew up in a town of about 500 people. So um, you know, I remember as a child getting the NES, playing like Duck Hunt. Oh yeah, like so, yeah, yeah. Uh, as I kind of got older, you know, moved to Sega Genesis, moved to PlayStation. You know, I, okay. I was always curious how those games were made because I really enjoyed mm. playing them. Um, so someone's, you know just offhand told me about programming. And, um, I, you know, I was, I was interested, and then my dad ended up buying me a computer for my 14th birthday. And even still, I'm in the South, right? So we still just had like dial up and stuff like that. So the internet is not, you know. It wasn't. I, yeah, it's not like Comcast didn't hit your neighborhood no, yet. No, 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 no. So, you know, it was, I was on one of those places where I'm on the internet, mom was like, get off the computer, I gotta make a phone call, and that type of thing. So. Um, so even though I had you know the computer and stuff like that, I didn't know about how to go go about learning the program. Mm. Um, you know, so I had like one teacher in high school who at least had some computer literacy. So I learned how to do a little bit of HTML in high school, but I didn't really learn how to code until I got to college. But wow. I knew ever since I was fourteen that's what I wanted to do. Gotcha. Just, yeah. I really didn't have the resource. It's not like you know I, where I grew up. I couldn't just yeah. go down the street and say, "Hey, yeah." There was no sign saying go this way. Exactly. And You'll be all right. Just right. keep going that direction. Right. Mm. And, and yourself, Lauren? Um, I was in a very similar position. I was very interested in computer games specifically. So I remember my father bought a computer and put all the pieces down on the floor and said, don't touch this. I'll be right back. And the first thing I did was hook it all up and turn it on. Wow. While he was gone upstairs to get some water. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> so that was, I liked it for the games and I liked it for the creativity. I used to, you know, make artwork and things like that. And, um, even try to write little stories or just, you know, being able to use it um, almost similarly to the way I would use a piece of paper to, to play with, you know. Um, and then when I got to high school, I had a very similar experience where I learned mm. HTML and instantly went straight to my MySpace and started customizing everything. Oh, yeah. Because that was the first thing I was That's like, oh, now it can be sparkly because mm -hmm. I know how to do this. Yeah, um, that was why all the load ups were super slow. Mm -hmm. People were figuring out how to code in their own simple ways through MySpace. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. And I feel I saw someone, I think maybe put that on Twitter that that was a real missed opportunity with MySpace. Is that that could have created a, a whole different generation of coders. Totally. You know, somebody, like, and potential employees in many ways. It, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um just didn't know what we had at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess you're absolutely right. And also make you appreciate what you have now, like yeah. good internet service. Because oh, back then that was rough. Oh, it was like, yeah, it looks super dope, but it but it'll load up in about like three minutes, my <laughs> profile page, you know? Um And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't even know what computer science was when I was in high school. I had a teacher when I was in that, that HTML class, the teacher said, oh, you should really think about studying computer science. And I thought computer science meant that you work at Best Buy. Like I really didn't know what that was. Wow, wow. So there wasn't even, was there like at least a simple computer 101 class or typing? Cause that was the first time I touched. I mean, I my dad is, um, he was very much into computers. So we always had two or three. We had the Ataris and all sorts of back when there was like DOS, 
We need to do DOS to load up your, to reboot your computer. So we had it all, Coleco, and we had everything you were mentioning, Will. So it's like, we had that, but I know that was not the norm. You know what I mean? And in school, I remember specifically, it was just typing class, right? L, 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 T, 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 and all that jazz. So that was my first experience, but I didn't get good with the typing until like, I had to like live off of it, you know, became mandatory and then I figured out how to type. So were you um, um, engaged with technology even in high school compared to like Will's like, oh, until college you really got, saw the avenue. Did you see that prior to college? Um, or? So like I, I took the, the typing classes as well when I was younger. I learned okay. my HTML when I was in high school. Wow. They did have a single programming class, but uh -huh. I didn't take it because again, I didn't really know what it was. And I was like, well, you know, I'd rather study physics or something. So I went off and did that. Wow. And it wasn't really until I got to college that I even had a concept of what computer science and programming was. Um, and once I figured it out, I was like, oh, that actually sounds kind of interesting. You know, that's that's what I was doing the whole time. But nobody told me that's what it was called. Huh. That's interesting. So it seemed like a natural fit once you realize like, oh, that's what I should be doing kind of a thing. Pretty much. Wow. Okay. Now, this seems... What's ironic between just you both, it seems like a totally different experience in terms of how you got introduced to technology. Aside from the video games, but like at school, right, you had to wait to college, was it? For, you know, to really understand like, oh, these are possibilities in courses. Mm -hmm. So that means through grade school, middle school, junior high, high school, when you're becoming a man or an adult, right, knowing what options and possibilities you have in this world, really, you know, if you didn't take those extra steps, you it would have passed you right by. Absolutely. And, um, you know, got to give a huge shout out to my dad. You know, that computer was not cheap. And then <laughs> we, uh, to put it nicely, kind of from very humble beginnings. Uh. So, um, yeah, he, he scrapped together and went to Best Buy and got me like this this just top of the line Sony Bio desktop. Oh yeah, I always thought they look clean. Oh man, it's before still, the Max, you yeah, know, it's it still was... sitting at the house right now. Oh, that's you cool. Know? So we keep it there. It's kind of like a like a keepsake. So, um, but man, I I got a lot of mileage at that thing. Like even before you know, I knew you know as far as how to go out coding that type of thing. I was using that thing to hustle. I was burning CDs. Like I was, I was writing people's papers. Yeah, and stuff yeah. Like that, CDs, so. remember MP3s, oh, right? Man, man, I line wire, man, hold the statute of limitations. Yeah, yeah, incriminating, but pirate bay. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, man, I was, I, I had like a, a a list, you know, circulating around the school. Like, oh, what, what, what album, you need? What, yeah, what, what album you want? I got them. I so. got the playlist. Yeah, so so Lauren with um, but it sounds like you were introduced. And engaging with technology way prior to college like it was just kind of your DNA if you will you know and uh, so um, how did that feel once you got to college like you've already kind of you like oh I get it you know like how, how was that for you yeah I feel like I, I always knew what to do with technology but it was more about being involved in the creation of technology that I really had no concept of it was the uh. kind of thing like like being a bookbinder. When you're a kid, you know what a book is, you know how to read a book, but you never really stop to think like, who put this book together and put it on the shelf? You know, that's something that you don't, you know, being a publisher, things like that, you don't really think about that. And so I knew how to use technology. I was familiar with it, you know, I, I liked it, but actually working on it and improving it 
was never something that was in my mind. And there's actually a, a funny anecdote that I like to tell people, which is um, when I was in high school, that teacher that encouraged me to become a computer science major, she said, well, you know, if you study computer science, maybe you could work at Google one day. And I was like, that's a website. Like, you can't work in a website. Like, that doesn't wow. make any sense. And so I really, I should call her. That sounds I like should a call meme. her up and tell her, like, you know, I actually ended up working at the website. Like, <laughs> you should you know, totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's irony if I ever heard of yeah. it. I want to now share some fun facts with our audience. First is, and then I want to hear your opinions about it too. So, first fun fact a 2016 report from Google found that black and Hispanic students were 1.5 and 1.7 times more likely to have an interest in learning CS, computer science. And while the nation has overall increased the number of CS courses offerings in K-12 education, black and Hispanic students are less likely to have access to those resources. This is from a, Bl a Blanca Myers article she wrote in Wired magazine. So I'm not like pulling things out of my hat. So like I did my research, folks. So if you want to post a comment, feel free. I may listen. I may not. I don't know. What is your thought, Lauren? Um, well, I know that for myself, access was everything. I mean, the fact that when I got to college, I was comfortable with computers. I was comfortable with phones. I knew how the Internet worked. I had all this experience meant that it wasn't a big leap for me to go from using it to making it. I just had to realize that that was something I could do. But the actual usage of the technology, I knew what things were for. So I had an easier time figuring out how I could change them or how I could make things work the way I wanted them to work. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Um, like those, that sentiment sounds completely accurate as far as the numbers that you, um, that you quoted. Um, because I lived it and I've seen it you know even my time going to college you know I had a little bit of exposure but I remember you know showing up to the first day of my intro to, to computer programming class and there was like three four other black students you know all, we all kind of sat in the front and I was like excited I was like yes more of us there's more of us but as we got you know further along even just in the semester and definitely on like our studies I just saw them kind of drop away mm. and were like, there any particular reasons that you started to see like a common denominator it's just all of us got obliterated by that class um, all of us um because the teacher kind of taught the class in the respect that you already had a a notion of what was going on assuming you've had a previous experience like perhaps lauren you know growing up right touching and engaging with technology yeah because most wow. of us we came in cold like so I wow. just a little bit of html but we were learning c plus you had the interest yeah yeah but we were learning c plus plus in that class that i had never touched anything like that i had never thought like that you know or anything like that so and i think you know my colleagues that you know my counterparts that was my black counterparts are also in that same boat um i was just so damn determined that i wasn't going to give up that even when i was struggling you know I, I did whatever you know mean necessary i could yeah but and then also you know i don't i obviously can't speak for them don't know what type of you know mm -hmm. situation they had you know coming up whatever but my parents were like on me and then i had older sisters who are already going to college ahead of me so um i knew i had that expectation and i also knew that if i didn't stay in college i was going to go back to state line mississippi where uh, <laughs> where like, there was basically no jobs for me so by any means necessary <laughs> yes sir <laughs> because uh, i was like I, I can't go back home because i'm gonna lose my mind and that that's interesting um and i feel like when it for and i could speak on my own experience um like jay-z said in his book 
um, desperation breeds a hustler. And unfortunately, we as African-Americans are always in the mode of desperation. Our backs are always against the wall in many mm -hmm. aspects. Mm -hmm. Even when you have access, like Kanye says, you're just a nigga in the Benz, yeah. you mm -hmm. know? So when he wasn't as mentally diverse as now, but- uh, <laughs> <laughs> was a choice, right? apparently. <laughs> so, <Allegedly>. but, <laughs> but so with that said, I think that's why when given the opportunity that our pressure has always continuously been on so we so we kind of rock and roll in stressful conditions like we can handle it it's no sweat does that make sense yeah. like we're conditioned to be in that environment yeah yeah you know mm -hmm. uh but having lauren um immediate access to those resources at least being more familiar by the time you got to college what kind of a profound effect do you think that may have on um other young african-american youth being able to have access to those resources what matters the most about having access is that you not only do you understand how the technology is and how it works at at the moment but you understand what it could be mm. because you've spent so much time kind of marinating on it and understanding how the whole system works that you can see into the future you can see well you know imagine if twitter had X, you know, imagine if I had the internet, but it was faster and it did this, you know, imagine if my phone had two cameras, you know, yeah. all these kinds of things. And now you know how to connect the two, not right. only the imagine, but the how to. Exactly. Are there any suggestions you can give where in which maybe that can help maybe somebody out there give an idea on where they can uh, bring tech more to uh, African-American youth or people of color in Hispanics and lower income communities? What, what, what do you think? Is there an answer for that? Um, at this point- Is there an app we can make? Is there an app? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to iTunes right now. <laughs> yeah. I wish, wish it was. I mean, for the deals, I just hadn't thought of the idea, but a lot of it is, like you said, the resources, the hardware. The hardware has gotten a lot cheaper um because uh -huh. you know i mentioned my dad he paid like two thousand dollars or something for that for that sony bio but now you can get a raspberry pi that's 35 dollars it's way more powerful than you know that two thousand bio. Uh -huh. so, um, so that's a good thing yeah right so, so accessibility is a little bit more obtainable yeah. okay so that's not bad um but uh for me personally i think honestly it's like Again, I go I go back to the root of the problem. It's like, who's benefiting from these children not being introduced to tech? And not only that, I also kind of mm -hmm. blame the media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, just because you have one or two black nerds, but one of the most popular show about nerds is that- um, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, where there was no black people, right. not even like a sidekick. Right. Nope. It's white and Asians. It's exactly what you what I stated earlier. Same yep. thing with the Silicon Valley show, just more, exactly. more adult oriented. And they seem to have a pass on being goofy and everything else. And we have to play the most proper, most best nerd or, you know, the most gentlemanly gentleman and they can kind of skate away with being the Zuckerberg, hood wearing, long haired man child. Man child at thirty something. Yeah. Right? So but regardless of all that, it just seems, yeah, like they get, they just get an, a huge pass. But then when it comes to hiring, it's like as if that doesn't get taken into account. That doesn't get taken into account that you had to wait till college to get introduced to coding. Mm -hmm. And that Lauren, since you were engaged with technology, that's not the norm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. My brother didn't leave Oakland until he was, 20 some 21 mm. 
So unless Oakland provided it and made it cool, those resources were not even part of the language. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Just like you said, C plus plus. Like what? 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 That was my grade. I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so anyway, those. Are, I think there's also there are there are things as far as a community we can do. Um, one is maybe not always throw a basketball in each other's hand or a mic. That's one thing. Not saying we all do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But idolizing those people in those positions not taking away from their success, but we do kind of idolize them. We do prop them up, but prop up those who have a laptop in their hand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made Black Panther so profound was because of the diverse array of black people and their intelligence were shared, not only in the masculine, but in the feminine, in the intelligent, the philosophical, and like, it was amazing. Heck, the strongest guy was a vegetarian, yeah. right? Like then, that was. And then the smartest character in the whole movie universe is a 16 year old black girl. Totally, yeah, yeah. totally, totally. And loving it, like owning the intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like that was, I think that, that, now imagine that. So you take what Black Panther, what it represented, the movie. And we know, we don't need to explain it to each other. We only have to explain it to people who aren't us. Uh, so you ever notice that? Anyway, people so. I think Wakanda is a real African country. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, they're probably going to think we all know Kung Fu too. So <laughs> but you take that. Now, how do we apply that same pride and symbolism in everyday life, especially when it comes to our relationship to tech? Because unfortunately, not unfortunately, the reality is tech is only more and more a part of our life. Yeah. You saw Samsung commercial, you talk to your TV, it does this, that, and a third and the other. You talk to your fridge, it texts you. So if we don't, we'll get left behind. And it mm-hmm. seems to be programmed that way, right? Mm-hmm. We, I stated the numbers. I think we got to really, you know, kind of like you said, with the media part, we got to definitely publicize ourselves. Because um, even with the media part, you know, say like all the you know people you hear about in tech like that are definitely you know more so white. You know, yeah. some some Asian and stuff like that. But you hear about you know the Zucks and the, mm-hmm. the Steve Jobs. You hear their successes, the, right? But the thing is, the nobody, Yeah, what I'll do respect. Nobody really think they're like just cool, like the, the coolest people on earth. Everybody, think, the, the thing that gets people, they're rich. That's it's what gets totally people. successful. You're right? Is they're mm-hmm. making ridiculous amounts of money. So you know, as you as you know as a white kid or something like that you see that and it looks know, like you it looks like mm-hmm. you it's like oh well i'm just gonna go you know that she's gonna be me yeah it's, it's gonna be me i'm yeah, gonna get not? together my friends in the garage and create something totally. that, that may suck but we're gonna get funded for it anyway mm-hmm. yeah so, uh, going back to resources mm-hmm. and ac- accessibility you know and you know it's not to take away anything from anybody but you know you hear the stories of you know gates and zuck and stuff being dropouts not looking at the deeper yeah, picture you that think they already had you, connections to the Tekken. And the parents already had access. That's why you're at Harvard. Like, let's yeah. be honest. And exactly. not only that, you think only like Puffy can get away with dropping out of college and being having the tenacity and the, his drive must have been off the charts right. to get to where he's at. Like, let's mm-hmm. give all due respect. I mean, you can say whatever about his rapping and dancing, but uh, <laughs> the man knows business, okay? I was listening to a Larry Wilmore, his um, podcast called uh, Black on the Air. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent. And this episode was like, why, he said, the dangerous part about racism is the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to funding, that sure enough shows. Mm-hmm. White and Asians, they get the benefit of doubt. Here's a half a million dollars. We'll see what happens. Ergo, Mark Zuckerberg. 
while we have to have beyond the reasonable doubt proof three degrees before you can be like all right we'll see if you're good to go mm-hmm. while on the other hand it's a benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. does that make sense Absolutely. and yeah. it's hard when it's not even us hiring each other mm-hmm. we're not even that position right just because you hired a few doesn't and if we're not in management or leadership roles then that it gets watered down this diversity idea let's go over fun fact number two for today okay so um two-thirds of white students report using computers at home whereas only half of black and latinos students do so what does that mean to you think about that i'll tell you about me real quick okay because i'm talking a lot obviously you know that's privilege, man. Like, let's be honest. I mean, that's a privilege. Mm-hmm. It was a privilege for me growing up with my father, who's uh, a Caucasian Jewish white American. He's conservative, ironically, and I'm far from it. But uh, I love my dad. And I now look back and realize how lucky I was to have access to certain things. And, and I had access to computers. I was part of that white percentage, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Lauren, for you, when you went to college, I mean, I don't want to assume, of course, but was like, was it like a hard leap for you to like, oh, I'm going to start getting into software engineering? Like, since you've had a history of engaging with technology as a young person, was it a like, was it a hard transition for you? Uh, no, I, I would say it wasn't a hard transition at all. Um, the only thing that I had to get used to was the the concept of programming, and I know mm. William mentioned a lot of students had trouble because um, they had never been exposed to programming before or maybe like a little bit of HTML and then suddenly the class was conducted as if they had that experience uh. and I had the very same experience I hadn't done any programming beyond HTML myself either but I had at least enough experience with the technology that I could kind of wing it and say okay well I think it works like this I was never taught but I think it works like this based on how I've seen it growing up Gotcha. Um, and I think another thing, just to your point about the uh, the fifty percent versus the the two thirds, um, I had access to a lot of technology growing up. But what made it even more powerful is that my friends had access too. Because mm. now I go to school and I'm like, oh, look at this MySpace thing, and they're like, oh, look at my Live Journal, and now we're going back and forth, and everybody's trying to compare their little website to whatever they're doing. And so, if you can't share that knowledge with people, then you don't you don't you might not know how important it is oh that's interesting so it's like even if you have access to technology and a relationship with it that could be alienating alienating just as much as not having it right so having friends in a community that are engaging as well normalizes technology yeah, because right. Lauren, I think she hit something, you know, really strong right there because I, I was in the opposite situation that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we definitely grew up, you know, home beginnings. But looking back, we did kind of have a little bit more than some of the other people in our community because my, my dad was a county supervisor and elected official. OK, so, you know, stable jobs and stuff awesome. like that, you know, and so and then he was always a hustler, too. Like, you know, he was like a mechanic, whatever, whatever you needed. He, what he you need, do, I got can, it. Yeah, he can do it. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was kind of like the only one who had like a computer like that. So, you know, I couldn't really go out and talk to anybody because I've, I've been a nerd, you know, as far as, like, you know, pretty much most nerd stuff, anime, yeah. all that type of stuff I was always into. 
but I have very few people, really none of my, you know, my, my black, uh, black, like, you know, counterparts, counterparts, you know, yeah. when I was in school was into any of that stuff. Mm. So, um, did you keep it to yourself a lot? Like, like, okay, this is just my thing. When I get home, it's my thing. And then when you're, uh, you know, you, cause I, I feel like that was for me in many ways. Like I've recently, like I saw your post on Instagram once. Mm and you said something about a black nerd and I was like, yes, William will always like be. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with Bet MGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet 10 bucks on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issue. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. We play for bravery. We play for big hearts in tiny bodies. We play for the fighter within. We play for life reclaimed. Disease in remission. Stories rewritten. We're Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU, and we nurture the champion in every child. We fight the forces that threaten them. And we play to win. Learn how at chrichmond.org. Somebody I'm going to just reach out to once in a while because uh, you're you're African American too. Mm-hmm. And we both got glasses, yeah. Okay, so we're stylish, you <laughs> know. What right, but but at the same time, owning the nerd part, and I think that's so awesome. Like that, I think that's one of the things I loved about James Baldwin is that he owned his intellectuality and just like didn't give a shit and just smacked you in the face with it. And that made being intellectual and philosophical so, I don't know, swag to me. Like I just love James Baldwin for that. And that's what it, like I just wish I had more of that um, images when I was growing up. I did, uh, shout out to Mr. Henderson at uh, Longwood Middle School. He was awesome. He made sure that I loved history to this day. He, he'll never remember me, but Mr. <laughs> Henderson was the first African-American male teacher I ever had. And that always, as you can see, was such an awesome effect on me yeah. to see us like a uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of a thing. Yeah. Like if I only had him, I may have mm-hmm. been a science something. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so I felt like many times I had to keep that in mm-hmm. when I'm around some of my counterparts because like being intelligent is threatening yeah. to our own people. Yeah, and I, and I absolutely, you know, hated that perception mm. um, because- You think that, you're too good. Yeah, that, and you know, Luckily, as I mentioned, I grew up in a small town. I had a lot of relatives in that town. I, I, can't, I have a huge extended family. So, you know, I, I didn't have one of those stories of like, you know, being, I, I was definitely known as just a smart black kid. Like, okay. You know, so, but I, I think my saving grace is that I was all, also reasonably athletic. Like I played, you know, basketball. I was a team captain, you know, senior and stuff like that. So, you know, that was, I, I was able to balance out and have duality with it. 
But, you know, I always knew that books would take me further than, you know, any ball would just because totally. I knew that wasn't my gift. But um, it, it was very, you know, rare that I had you no know, connected with other black students over kind of like my, not the, my things that I nerded out on. Mm. I, I always had a young cousin who was two years younger than me that he was always the guy that I could, you know, completely nerd out with. Express. Yeah, and me and him, were, we're still close to this day. Mm. Um, so, because we'd be like, oh man, you catch Dragon Ball Z yesterday and stuff like that. Like, Dude, you don't even know. Yeah. yeah. So, but a lot of times, just because of my academics, I was always lumped in with the white students. Totally. And so I was always caught in between worlds. You know, what, what all the black students. I don't think know. people really understand that in America that we have to play both roles. Does that make sense? Yep. And, and uh, I, I hate to go back to Black Panther. That's so stereotypical. But <laughs> we don't have to there. We could be unapologetically yes. into tech. It's like we're always apologizing to just be who we are. Because mm. who we are, like the outside world almost presents a label. And if you don't fit it, then, you know, like, I hate when I got this, like, you're not black enough. Like I get that a lot, being mixed, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't talk with particular. Maybe I don't have. I don't have the Barry White thing going. Sorry, Will. Maybe you could give me a little bit of that. That'll help me out. Hey, shout you out, know, shout out again, uh, my dad. And I've I've gotten accused because my nose isn't yeah. big enough, and this and a third. You know what I mean? And and it's like, damn, I have to prove my blackness to everybody. Mm -hmm. Like that shit is crazy, mm -hmm. right? My dad asked me one time about my blackness, and he's. Like I said, he's he's a right. Jewish guy, right? And I love my dad. I have no qualms. But he asked me, he said, why do you take your black side so much? Like, why do you own that side so much? I said, Dad, I'm very proud of my Jewish ancestry. But when I leave the house, I'm black. Yeah, mm -hmm. worst, Just that the simple. Of the black man. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right? Ergo, that's it. Case in point. I love you, Dad. You did an awesome job. Best you did. Mm -hmm. You definitely put us first. But that's the that's the reality we live in. Let's get to fun fact number three. The issue is difficult to address for a variety of reasons, including the fact that diversity problems of each race have their own different issues. Okay, this is from Buck McGee, an executive director uh, advisor of the nonprofit Ascent, told Tech Republic. So in Silicon Valley, for Blacks and Hispanics. The basic problem is getting in the door. The problem with Asian Americans in Silicon Valley is upward mobility to management. You need different strategies for different races and you can't just throw them all in a diversity program because not all diversity programs are apt for the race or gender, right? For each, because each one have their own issues. Mm -hmm. Now, is that true or is it false? Lauren Go. I think <laughs> I think it's definitely a false media, or rather, it's true. We need different strategies for different groups. Um, it's interesting that if you look at there, there are so many groups and so many movements dedicated to increasing the number of women in tech right now, and there are very focused strategies. And if you look at the actual results, you end up with mostly white women. And it's like, well, why yeah. is that? And it's mostly because all of those women in tech groups focus on the lowest common denominator experience. We only want to alleviate things that all women have experienced, not things that some women experience. And I've had that experience when trying to bring up issues in these groups. They'll that say, are particular to African-American women. Exactly. They'll say, well, African-American women, that's not really the focus of this group. We're, we're broadly focused. You know, we're a general focus. And as long as it passes the muster with our white female counterparts, we're good to go. Exactly. Um, so it's interesting because there's, there's strategies for that, but... 
like you said, I mean, the fact that there's upward mobility problems versus getting in the door problems, those are two completely, completely different issues. issues. Totally. And people always like to talk about diversity and inclusion. And I feel like part of that getting in the door is diversity. You know, how can we actually get this group of people to be more diverse? Mm-hmm. Inclusion is how do you how do you feel when you're there? Do you feel like you're treated well? Do you have upward mobility? Do you yeah. feel welcome? Do you stay? Leadership and roles. Do you have leadership roles? So now all of a sudden you're looking at leadership and attrition rates and those are just different metrics. Totally. So even just on a, a number scale, you're looking at different sets of metrics. Yeah, abs- I think you're couldn't be f- farther from the truth, especially when we have a particular unique experience living in this country and when so many Asian and East Indians, not all of them, are, you know, many times the first time living here, mm-hmm. not just visiting, mm-hmm. living here, let alone first or second generation, right? What is it? It would be first generation then, right? If they just got here. Yes. Um, so they don't have like... I don't know, a get down on how this whole thing works and why our experience is unique Mm -hmm. in the approach on how to really build inclusion. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Am I just speaking inside of my mind? Does that make sense? No, I think I think you're 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 right on that. Um, you know, they they may look at us and think that we have some type of inherent advantage, but we don't. You know. Um And then when you preach about it, it's like, why I'm here. Right. You're here. Right. What's there to complain about? Yeah, and you know, it's 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 just completely different worldview that they have. You know, just like I can't understand or you know don't have the lived experience of you know growing up in a country where they turn and everybody looks like them. You know, I don't have that experience. They are the majority, right? So you know, I you know we may have little pockets or little communities where we have that. But that was kind of their lived experience. And I know they may have their own struggles when they come over here, but then also you know, can give their community credits is basically they recreate mm. what they have, you know, in, in totally, small totally, pockets. Totally, 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 totally. So, and that's something, you know, me and my wife talk about all the time is that, you know, we hope that we can get more in an economic situation where, you know, you know, black people can create their own things because um, I kind of, nobody really bats an eye whenever you see uh, Asian specific supermarket or, or Indian foods market or anything even like in that. A, even in African American dominated communities yeah but if we put together like a you know a, a black grocery store people are gonna look weird at that it's like oh why even you, black people yeah it's like oh why do you need your own grocery store nobody thinks it's weird whenever you know, you totally. know Asian people do it so totally. why does it have to be weird when we do it or Starbucks yeah. does it right so we need to empower our own community yeah I think um you know, as I mentioned earlier, I come from more of a, you know, I lean more toward a Marcus Garvey or a uh, Malcolm X theology in terms of solutions for African-American communities. Because I believe, as Malcolm X once said, in a do-it-yourself policy, mm-hmm. he said, that I have a do-it-yourself program, okay? But we forgot to do for self and we relied too much on others is my thing we've got so dependent on waiting for them to give the opportunity for inclusion, for that door, for resources, and for mobility. We have to wait for permission. And we've got so used to that. I mean, I feel like it, 
we forgot, but there's also a whole generation generation of people who never knew in the first place. I mean, mm. we were talking about media earlier, and it's interesting because you see shows on TV about doctors, you see shows about lawyers, you see shows about cops. And if you go and you ask a whole bunch of kids what do they want to be when they grow up, they want to be doctors and lawyers and cops. Mm. And now there's a whole group of people that want to be engineers and tech people, but most of those people don't say that because they saw it on TV. They say it because they know someone personally. They say, oh, my uncle is in tech, or my mom did this, or they have some person who's closer to them I that they can too. point to. Totally. And a lot of kids who don't have that, they don't see that because all they see is what's on TV or what's in their home. And if there's no tech people in your home, you don't see it. Right. Yeah. And I think even going back to what you were saying, like comparing like contemporary leaders to kind of like a historical leaders, I think the at least the, the, the examples you gave for our contemporary leaders, they're all kind of like capitalistic leaders. Mm. They are the ones, because yeah, we can't get close to them because their whole platform is built upon money, you know? And and a separation in a sense. Right. I have it, yeah. they don't. Yeah, capitalism in a sense. Yeah, so I mean, and you know, not taking anything in away from, you know, away from any of them, they all, you know, are incredibly successful, incredibly talented and earned, but, um, comparing them to kind of like those historical leaders, you know, the Garvey's and MLK's and Malcolm X and stuff like that, their whole platform wasn't necessarily built upon money, which I think mm. then allowed them to be a little more accessible. Um, it was almost because, like a spiritual and communal, like, yeah, I understand, like, the, like Malcolm X under, was spoke about money as a tool for survival, like yeah. we need to get our own land. Mm-hmm. How are we gonna do that? We gotta get some money, yeah. okay? How are we gonna do that? We shop with each shop with each other, support each other, mm-hmm. you know. And spirituality was for sure always a mainstay. Like we need spiritual growth, and that has never left black community. Let's be honest. Like African Americans, I even feel weird about calling each other black. I'll be. Do you guys know that? Like I really feel weird about that, and because. We were never black. We were black here, only in America. Like, you don't call Koreans yellow. Actually, that's kind of offensive, right? <laughs> right. So why would black be? To me, it's like you can't point at a country and oh, there's black. And that when you look at Africa, you could find a connotation between. Um, feel free to butt in a connotation between um, the people and the whole root of culture. And a language and a spirituality and a this and a that and a, this and a, that, a connection, something deeper than what you see right here. When you say Mexican, you know there's a whole slew of history going on that they can immediately go home, connect with, that's it. Sons is signed, sealed, and deliver. Um, why erase the African part and just be straight up just black because then like with white folks right even with white folks it's like no like i have issues with white folks but i love italians i love irish folks they're very cool if you ever like got down with some they're very welcoming people english too even though they they're always seem to be want to be better than everybody but that's every english person but uh, but like spanish people like if you talk to people who are from those specific countries, it seems like a different type. And then when you come to America, like white, like all of a sudden dumbs down who they are and where they came from. So why wouldn't the inverse apply to black? Because none of them were forcibly stripped away from their homelands. Got you, but why not African-American? Because because that's even then, and I used to think that way too, until I moved out here. 
uh-huh. because African American is still a catch-all because you have even different you know subgroups within that. You know, you have people who may have you know Geechee heritage. You have people who may have Creole heritage. You have people who maybe you know have heritage. Because I remember the first time I went to Florida to like see my sister down there, and I saw people that looked like me until they started speaking. And because, mm. and then if we called them African American, it was it's still a bit of a misnomer because they, um. they may be Haitian or so, or they may be Jamaican or stuff like that. So they may not even be American at, at all. Especially out here, we have a lot of people who are you know, you know, unforced African immigrants, meaning people who immigrated here of their own will. So that's the. I feel like, you know, where we just get the label black is because we've had that heritage stripped away from us because I can't I can't point like you said, sometimes you can even see someone, you know, with Irish heritage and some like you may even see certain traits and like, oh, you know, maybe they're Irish or you can, you know, hear someone with their voice. Oh, they're British or something like that. You know, we got stripped away from that where we lost that connection, I feel. And and I I hate that. And that's why I went and did kind of like a, a genetic analysis because that's something I've always wanted to know. Mm, and mm. I found out that my heritage is primarily Nigerian. So that's something that I hope to reconnect to because that was something that was taken away from me, what taken away from my ancestors years ago. So I feel like whenever we do get that label, you know, a black or African-American, it still acts as a catch-all. It's, it's just like calling someone European when they're Italian or when they're... Yeah, that was kind of Austrian. my point with white was like, no, you're not white. You actually came from somewhere, and it's called Italy or wherever it was that your ancestors came from. But uh, so, like, just like for them, where I think it's silly, it's like, oh, I'm you know white people. And I'm like, no, you're silly ass motherfucker. Your parents can't. Your your family came from somewhere, and it wasn't here. Native Americans, they're native. See, thus the name native. Okay, they were here mm-hmm. before all of us. Okay, yes. and a lot of them came from Asia. Okay, mm-hmm. when there was you know ice and they tracked there so with that said it i don't know t- to me it's like black and then what if they always associated with black and i mean you look in the dictionary maybe now it might say people but mm-hmm. for a very long time they're educating their youths and their kids and generations mm-hmm. on what black is distasteful it's dirty it's evil it's the devil and everything white is pure etc 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 and then all of a sudden all that is right except when it comes to these human beings wait a minute you just said everything black for my entire life is negative da, da, da. and then all of a sudden black people just because you capitalized the b and then for me when it comes to we'll go back to let's not digress blacks and tech when it comes to the hiring hiring decisions or engaging decisions it's especially if you're not from this country directly and mm-hmm. you see black as this, black as that, black, 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 black. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're trying to engage with this race of people, mm-hmm. whether they're eligible and paying them properly, mm-hmm. black, well, they're, mm-hmm. you know, come on, like subconsciously to me, it just seems like there's a subconscious connection between, unfortunately, those two facts. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to throw it out there real quick as well that I think two things can be true as, at once. I think that black is an experience just the same way that african-american is an experience right i mean Mm -hmm. i consider myself african-american my parents were born here um so i don't have the experiences that let's say someone who is a a recent immigrant Mm -hmm. might have but at the same time there are experiences that are shared between all of us because when other people look at us they can't tell so Mm -hmm. they see black so there are experiences that are black and there are experiences that are African-American, there are experiences that are Nigerian-American, there are experiences that are from all different 
facets of it, but there are some that are base level shared experiences that I think should be and can be labeled as black. Gotcha. point. And um, kind of relating to that question that you just talked about as far, as far as, you know, in the hiring process, I could have like a, a brief experience about that of, you know, someone not being from this country, how they were trying to interact with me. So I was, uh, you know, applying for a job, you know, uh, company kind of local East Bay and stuff. I won't name names or anything like that. But um, <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah. So they could, they could look at my LinkedIn. They could see my qualifications you know, what I've done that I'm more, you know, trending if well already kind of at this, you know, acting as a team lead. So it's like a senior level type engineer. So, um, you know, I reached out to HR person I had met before and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, looking at your company and want to apply for, you know, some senior level positions. It's like, okay, cool. So then um, get a, a call from, I guess, a different HR person and they, uh, I, I can't, they definitely have an accent, so I, you know, I definitely don't want to get into like any type of assumptions or you know, yeah, yeah racist things on my own. But either way, they they obviously had looked at my profile and stuff, and I was like, I'm looking for a senior level position. They was like, Well, why don't you apply for this one? It was like a junior, like entry level position. Oh. It's like, what the hell? Like, I think you'd rather be more fitted for this particular yeah, position. Like, like what the hell? Like, you see what I've done. You yeah. see that I'm you know leading other people. I'm showing you facts here. Right. So why why even insult me by suggesting that I apply to this position? When I clearly said otherwise. Yeah. And not to digress yeah. from our conversation, but because of what the imagery of what black is, mm -hmm. maybe amongst each other, we're coming up with all these awesome, empowering definitions, and that's great. But the outside world, it's like it's a complete flip of the coin in many ways Absolutely. but when I and this is just my perspective I'm not here to change minds but when I say African American I can point to a continent mm -hmm. I can point to a history a strong history where in which we gave life to this earth mm -hmm. as far as humanity is concerned right the oldest skeletal remains the first civilization the first kingdoms mm -hmm. right ergo Egypt and otherwise mm -hmm. where we first learned to walk upright Right, I could do that when I say African American. That's just me. But anyway, so which allows me to be unapologetically the person I am today, and I don't give a shit as far as my opinions. The moral of the story is that when you bring that into the hiring process in tech, that I mean that could ha that has to have some sort of an effect. And I, on our part, is there anything we can do to help that or to change that? I mean. I mean, are we just doomed because everybody else decides to be stupid or what? And, and that's a, it's such a frustrating challenge because you once you do get in, you feel like you have to represent the, the entire race as a whole. You got all the answers. You're right. <laughs> you know, because even once I kind of got into, you know, the position I'm in now where I'm like, you know, as a tech lead, I even just had to think to myself, OK, because I'm working with people, you know, that are, you know, spread all over the globe. Yeah. And I was like, OK. And this is a, something I had to kind of sit there and think about to myself as I was going into it. It's like, they're going to stereotype me one way or another. And it's neither one of them is going to be good. They're either going to think I'm lazy or I'm over aggressive. And, I was and just, you know gonna, everything about rap, don't yeah, you? Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm just going to err on the side of over aggression, honestly. Um, so that was like, uh, you know, an internal struggle I kind of had to have. And yeah, wow. they, you know, definitely people have some assumptions that like I, I recently cut my hair off but I have for you know I have been growing it for like the past two two and a half years and I remember <laughs> coming back to Black Panther uh, I kind of went 
uh, to the movie more like in cosplay dressed as Killmonger so I might have my hair oh, twisted like yeah. his way to the side they love that when I came into the office that week oh, I got so many questions the first five minutes of like our stand up meeting was just questions about my hair you nothing know, about tech nothing we you know it was just like oh did it hurt how long did it take like oh man is it like from the movie yeah, stuff like that so it was, it was oh my god yeah, that was, is so so sad and does that happen to you Lauren at all it, it has <laughs> um, it's funny I, I uh, worked with someone who was on the phone they weren't, they weren't talking to me they were on the phone and uh, this was a, a taller uh, Caucasian gentleman and he had kind of curly hair and um, he was on the phone with someone and he said, oh, well, when so-and-so comes to the office, tell them to look for uh, the one with the afro. And I just kind of turned around and I was like, okay, well, they're going to be sorely disappointed when they come find me looking for you. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's none of my business. I'll just wow. wait. <laughs> but I, yeah, that's definitely hair in particular. People have yeah. a, a fascination with it and it, it, it sort of consumes everything. But um, well, that actually leads to this last segment, which is ironic. Okay. Five eye-opening statistics about minorities in tech. Mm. One is they have afros. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is according to uh, Tech Republic. My eyes are getting crazy but with the screen. But anyway, uh, one, there are half as many African-Americans and Hispanics in tech as in the rest of the private sector. Feel free to disagree with me, um, but when you kind of found the company and then you're doing all the hiring, you kind of more comfortable with hiring people who kind of look more like you. And yeah. thus the importance of having us in actual, if you talk about diversity, let's get people in leadership roles where, which, you know, we could kind of spread that diversity around. I mean, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of this pattern matching. You know, a lot of these, you can even look at it, um, a lot of these companies was started by a person who went to University X. And mm. if you look at the people that work there, they also went to University X. So, and then by them going to University X, they're also going to be a lot of times a certain type of person, right? A lot of times they're going to be similar that background. You, that you've associated with. Right, similar race, similar, so, you know, lived experience and stuff like that. So it definitely becomes like a, a pattern matching type thing. You know, I, I even work on a team where uh, a lot of people you know have gone to the same university wow so you know it's i mean i feel like that's probably common like they just, throughout they here. just went right back to school and hired their friends yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely you i know? see it all the time wow yeah and wow. The, the bigger companies the smaller companies the the smaller companies it's even more obvious because it's literally just the friends and family of the people who started the company oh, like and the friends and family come of first. those people and that it's it's just a tight tight network wow. and then when it comes to the bigger companies it's not quite like that because it's hard for you to hire 10,000 people that you really know personally family but ain't that big when you look at companies like Google Facebook you know um, Apple whoever there are these companies uh, these these universities that churn out these students so they they look at Stanford they look at mm. Waterloo they look they have very specific groups of students that they go back to over and over again so you still end up with you know a team where half the team went to stanford or half the team went to whatever university and if those and if students who may not have the academics or money and finances and resources to go attend those schools then that opportunity as a whole seems to be kind of 
not even a part of the equation. You become not, you don't exist in a sense. Yeah, because you don't go to your one of the target pool. schools. Exactly. I remember asking a brother out here, and I won't name his name, and I won't name the company that he runs, but basically he had some metrics on, um, you know, students, how they perform as far as, you know, with tech companies for their first few years, and then, you know, how they perform in interviews, and then also, how, I guess they had, I was keeping tabs on their, I guess, their matriculation within the company a few years after. So I just straight up asked him a question. I was like, do students that come from those target schools, the Stanford's, MIT's, Michigan's, or whatever, uh, and that's not, not those schools at all, but do students that come from those schools, are they typically better employees, or do mm. they just interview better? It's like, a lot of times they just interview better. Because the things that they're taught, because I can say- In the school. Yeah, the things they're taught in the school are gonna more directly align with what they may be asked in the interview. So, you know, every school you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be accredited, you're supposed to learn this, that, and the third. But I will say my school, I loved it, it was a great school, really didn't prepare me to to pass a Silicon Valley style technical interview. Oh, so that that's was interesting. something that, you know, I was not prepared for and had to kind of learn on the fly versus a student who went to one of those quote unquote target schools because they know that Google and Facebook and stuff like that has alumni and they're going to be coming back to the campus and stuff like that. And there's certain, I'm sure, key phrases that going to the school, whether you're going for that job or not, they just probably say or like mannerisms and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Because I mean, the people who started that company went to that school, so they've taken the same classes, totally. possibly under the same professor. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet 10 bucks on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Yeah. That you were taking it I down. might be working for you, uh, dude next to me. Exactly. <laughs> so so it, it becomes this, this pattern and that type of thing. So it was like a lot of times they typically interview better, but a lot of performance kind of evens out or, you know, kind of, you know, normalizes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Once someone from a target school, you know, Stanford, MIT, whatever, yeah. versus someone from one of those non-target schools are both at the same place. It's like their performance started, it kind of normalizes over time. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. within the first two to three years. It's just that they know how to interview better. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think we need to normalize the interviews the same way that we've started to normalize the standardized testing a little bit. Oh. Because in, in past years, you know, I think the big scandal from, from when we were kids was that the tests weren't fair, right? They were inherently biased towards mm -hmm. certain groups of people. And then they started to take uh, some some pains to kind of adjust the test to make it a little bit more equitable so that all different types of students could do well on them. And I think tech interviews suffer from that exact same problem that William just said, which is that some kids are taught how to interview and some are not. So it really has nothing to do, and the interview itself, the content of the interview has mm -hmm. nothing to do mm -hmm. with the actual job that you're doing. Um, or ability to do the job. Right, yeah. or the ability to do the job. It's funny, actually, for the first time in my entire career, I had to answer a question that was similar to an interview style question mm -hmm. once. 
one time in my entire career, I've been working for six years, day in and day out, one time have I had to answer a question that was even remotely similar to what you're told to do in an interview to prove wow. if you can do the job or not. Wow. And like that doesn't make any sense. And but, I've noticed that a lot of companies that have interviews that are more relevant to the job in hand, just this is just anecdotal evidence, they tend to be more diverse because they end up with people who can do the job versus people who can you know, pattern match their way into yeah. this interview. Yeah, yeah, for the mold, a comfortable mm. mold, make mm. me feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's super interesting um, and unfortunate. The next one, which kind of bleeds into what we were just saying, uh, five fifth, uh, one of the five opening statistics: um, eighty-three percent of tech executives are white. Shocker. Hmm. Um, but let's let's dig a little deep into that. What kind of effect does that give overall company? Like, let's be honest. What kind of effect does that give when you, and, uh, the, the executives, the hiring, the HR, like everything in leadership, 83%, that's two out of 10 people are, in this case, are white. So, yeah. What is that, as, as uh, people of color, what does that say to you? Well, for me, it's it's disheartening because part of the executive's job is to lead the company and to make sure that everyone under them is enabled to do their job to the best of their abilities, you know, to make sure that they're both productive and happy mm. at work. And so if the people who are leading you, if they don't know what your life is really like, they don't actually know what you need, they don't know what can help you, even if they have the best intentions, which sometimes is questionable, but even assuming that 100% of the people had the best intentions, they can't necessarily take care of an employee that they don't understand totally or their experience because exactly. sometimes what we deal with outside of the workplace you know is what affects the workplace yes and since we live totally separate in many ways like who was it martin luther king sunday is the most segregated day in the country hmm. right then uh, you kind of don't see, like, when you say, gosh, I'm stressed out because of X, Y, and Z, we usually base it off of our own personal experience. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. And if you yeah. look at tech companies, a lot of the executives are men. A lot of them are, are men as well. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, because there are so many men in these positions, I'm not saying it's necessarily because of that, but it seems all of a sudden now paternity leave is a big thing mm -hmm. because now people are having kids and they realize, oh, this is actually very difficult we should give paternity leave and maternity leave, and we should increase the maternity and paternity leave, the parental leave, uh, more than kind of the, the adjacent industries around us. And so that's an example that you can see just in the last 10 years of people felt that there was a problem and then mm -hmm. they addressed it. And it's like, how many problems go unnoticed and go unaddressed because there's no one in that room who's had Speaking that problem? Up on it and have the power, right? Because when you have 83%, you've got power super majority you feel me so so i have like a, um a couple things to say about that and it mm -hmm. even ties back to one of the things that you mentioned earlier about you know getting pulled over um because this this all tied into together you know with you know it, it ties everything together about something you mentioned in and with this whole leadership aspect and the lack of representation within the leadership is you mentioned that you know you had on the black hoodie and stuff like that when you got pulled over so you immediately your mind immediately with the trayvon martin i remember i think it was two years ago my wife's birthday was just yesterday 
And congrats, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I remember Maybe it. She made it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy when I wake up. When I wake up tomorrow, trust and believe me, I don't need to send you a text. I'm smiling. Okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I remember her birthday, I think it was two years ago. And it coincided right around the time of Philando Castillo, you know, the, the mm-hmm. brother that was in Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, who, who was shot while pulled over. Well, I think his, his girlfriend and, and, and child was in the car. He legally was carrying an illegal firearm. Was yeah. that was that was that the that was yeah, the supposed thing where I guess he told them that, you know, hey, I have a firearm. and They just opened fire. Mm-hmm. But he was pulled over initially for a broken taillight. Totally. So I remember I was coming home um, from teaching part time in San Francisco. I was coming home, Bart, and I wanted to, as soon as I got off Bart, drive over to Cheesecake Factory and give my wife a slice of cheesecake for her, for her birthday, you know, to celebrate. I had, a, I had a tail light out that night. I had a tail light out. I had, it had been out for a couple of weeks, and I was just like, oh, I'll get it fixed, whatever. I was nervous. I didn't go. I went straight home. Didn't you? Because I was like, oh, this broken tail light could put me in a really bad situation. It opens the door for them to allow to engage with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that all ties back into that summer was particularly brutal. You know, we had Philando Castile. Um, it's crazy that we can name, you know, name names know, of, of this continuing to happen. But it was several that happened this summer. I think um, was it like something Scott that was in South Carolina um, happened that summer as well. But where I work, we typically get a lot of HBCU students, and I, I have my own gripes about that. Won't go into that. But we we have a lot of HBCU students that come every summer. And I'm really happy about that part, yeah. you know, coming. A lot of times that is their first time because, you know, most of HBUs are based in the South. So a lot of times that's their first time out of the South. They're thousands of miles away from home. And Silicon Valley. Right. They don't know anyone out here. They're coming out here, you know, hopefully to, you know, get a better experience and, and stuff like that. So, and I was just seeing research because that, that summer, it was several of those things happening all through on the news. And I was just reading about how there's research about how it can affect you mentally to keep being exposed to it. Mm. So I even reached out to one of the people, you know, in my workplace and asking, like, are y'all talking to the students at all? Because a lot of them are from the areas where these things keep happening and they're thousands of miles away from home. Are y'all checking on them? It's like, oh, no, I hadn't even thought about that. I don't watch the news. So what I did, I went and one of the interns I knew well, uh, who was working for me at the time, I said, go gather up everybody. We're going to get this room. We're going to close the door and we're going to let everybody just talk out their emotions. About about what's what was going, going on, on in the summer. And a lot of people had a lot of strong things to say. And it was like, I felt like I couldn't express this. Oh. And it, it, it was hurtful because, you know, we all look, it can be me or it can be somebody that Total. I know. So, but no one was really thinking about how they were feeling. So I said, we're going to close this door for this next hour. And whatever you got to say, however you feel, if you're hurt, if you're angry, if you're sad, say it and it, it doesn't go beyond this door. Mm. But if, when you don't have representation or someone or in, in leadership and someone in leadership who thinks about those type of things when things are happening, you know, even outside of just, you know, the black community, you know, so I know we're focusing on the black community because I mean, I'm part of the black community. That's why I'm focused. But welcome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> even the things that are going on right now with people being split up from their families. Totally. You know, if you're that's obviously got to affect your. That's a human thing, man. That's right. like beyond ethnicity color whatever that's just like a human thing man like people will i mean okay we get into another podcast i'm trying not to do that but (laughs) the point is that that gets to the point where it's like me my kids or you you're going down Uh like 
people think the law stops you like these people are trying to fight for a better life mm-hmm. like they're so i get the legal argument but not everything legal is right no mm-hmm. right legally legally slavery to, was legal right all of us used to be three-fifths of a person you feel me? that was legal like there's a bunch of things that are legal that are not right okay um but not getting into the whole slavery thing because that shuts a lot of conservatives down they think like it's over with or whatever but nonetheless um let's just talk about humans ripping families apart like it's mm-hmm. nuts man so anyway but that's a whole nother situation and i guess yeah but i think you hit it a nail on the head basically leadership having more representation because having that diverse mind or diverse thought in the room can see a perspective because they deal with it themselves mm-hmm. the reality mm-hmm. say hey man let's have this powwow for mm-hmm. 30 minutes let's fu- let's get it out mm-hmm. and if you're 83 percent white driven and there's nothing wrong with white people being executive roles mm-hmm. But they see things from how they see it through their lens. You can't fault them for that in a sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But you can fault them from not like seeing like, hey, maybe we could benefit by having an African American woman because we just don't have that experience. We're not black and we're not a woman. So duh. Does that make sense? And even if you want to get down to the, the dollars and cents of it, we see there's the business case for having diverse leadership and stuff. Because I mean, you if you produce a product, I mean, we a lot of us have seen the video. Black guy walks up to get to the soap dispenser, and nothing comes out. White guy immediately comes up. There's soap. Zoop. So I mean, that's that's a business case right there yeah. for having diversity. Because apparently, nobody in your QA team or the H and M shirt thing. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh my like, gosh. No yeah. one thought of who in the right mind thought you thought that was cool, mm-hmm. but or didn't catch it. At I least. saw something interesting about that. Because uh, a lot of stuff I've hear someone throw it out that a lot of it's even intentional now because it's outrage marketing. Oh no, that's a, that's a conversation okay. itself. It, yeah, wow, because, that's actually that's I didn't think of that. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's like they're going to do it on purpose. Yeah, because you know it's going to generate outrage. It, it, apparently, all all press is good press. So then they they generate they throw it out there. You, they know we're going to react and be pissed off about it. But H and M's on the lips, but it's, it's top of mind now. Wow, yeah. that's uh, that's pretty, pretty, pretty deep. Okay, but going back to the the products really quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also important, like the business case, you know, for a better product that works for everyone. But you know, there's a lot of products that people don't even want to buy. People who are not specifically white or male or whatever the the dominant demographic for that product is don't even see a need to buy it because it doesn't work for them. Um, and like one one example that I saw that was interesting is the Apple Health app. When they first came out with the Health app, it was like use your phone. You can have a calendar and you can track your steps and you can track your flights of stairs and your calories and this and that. And everyone said that's great. And every single woman that I talked to said, "Isn't it super weird that there's an app on your phone that tracks your health in a calendar format and there's no menstrual data?" Like What's the easiest thing to track on a calendar? Like that is very, very obvious to anyone who was not necessarily, you know, a man who was in that room. And Which it's ironic because like, I wasn't thinking of that. But then when you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, that does make sense. You diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I, I just have to take ownership for all those males thinking that way. Cause I totally was like, wow, that is a good idea. <laughs> but I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm-hmm. 
that is like that is a perfect example of adding in the benefit of diversity. Exactly. Um, that's amazing. Number three is more than 50% of employees at Apple and Google are still white, which is kind of not that shocking, quite honestly, I guess after all the other facts we talked about. But we're talking about the most influential leading companies, Apple, the biggest company. Google has to be right up there in terms of not only just money, but influence. Mm -hmm. Google it, shit's Mm -hmm. a noun and a verb, right? And I'm gonna just throw Amazon out there, mm-hmm. okay? And I know the CEO and the founder has very good intentions, you know, socially. He's very conscious, and I'm a huge Amazon holic, so I ain't gonna lie. I just ordered something this morning, okay? Uh, so God bless him. I know Toys R Us, they're out of business, but oh, man. man, I do love me oh, some Amazon. Too <laughs> soon, too soon. Yeah. Hey, come on now, you know. Rest in peace, Jeffrey, man. Yeah, you can say it. rest in peace, but you clicked enter for the two day shipping, didn't you? Yeah, well, okay, I, I, so I let's be buy, honest. I gotta, I gotta buy something from Amazon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, so I can't. You know what? I, I I think I bought something around when I posted. The, uh, you might have seen on my profile on Facebook, but like the Jeffrey in his little to go bag and he got his vacation outfit on. <laughs> but I was like, and I ordered, I was like, damn, you know what? I love Jeffrey. I had Jurat, was it Toys R Us Bucks? They used oh, to have yeah. back in the day, day, day. Oh, Toys R Us Bucks. Oh. I love Toys R Us, bought two, uh, Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joe's. But you know what? I know why it left. I can't be yeah. mad. I order it on Amazon and their return service is great. But outside mm-hmm. that saying, I bet you a lot of us are in the shipping department, mm-hmm. AKA mm-hmm. UPS, mm-hmm. FedEx. Mm-hmm. And that's right? Think yeah. about that. And that's and then you hear that excuse is like oh well we can't find the qualified black candidate because it's like that. man you can you can build like these health apps we can we can build Google like well okay Google or whatever now answer any question you want but you can't find black people you can't find black people not only that um, going back to resources those resources that help fund the future tech leaders are in those schools and won't agree. Mm-hmm. Because they have access to resources, not because they're living one agree. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. if they want the same kind of thing and diversity of black people, etc., the next generation, they need to drop a few gems where the black people live. And it's, not, it's not one agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make volunteer. sense? What do you think about that? Program. Um, okay. We were teaching at uh, a school in San Francisco, and it was a you know computer science education program. And I said, great, this is going to be so great. We're going to get in there. We're going to teach these kids. You know, give them an opportunity that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And we got to the school and the school was like super fancy and everybody, it was like a bunch of, I was like, all these kids, their parents work at Facebook. Why am I here? You're good. Like, You're good. Kids who don't have this, you know, why yeah. are we coming to these schools? It just, it was crazy to me. Yeah. That is extremely upsetting, but yet not surprising. Right. And that's right? why I'm actually about to, to go to, uh, to St. Croix, uh, was it, what's today? Saturday. Yeah. Actually a week from today. And I'll be going down there teaching. You know, oh, beautiful! Students. And you know, a lot of those students got ravaged by Hurricane Maria and stuff like that. I got to go last year for for two weeks, so I'm going to be teaching them, you know, programming and stuff like that. So hopefully, to you know, expose them to something that they may not be getting exposed to, mm-hmm. um, because and by somebody that looks like them. Let's exactly, add that that's to the, the thing. Because University mm-hmm. of Saint, because it's going to be at the University of the Virgin Islands, which is believe it or not, it's actually at HBCU. So I'm you know going there and because um, yeah, the, the teacher that I was teaching with, he was white, but 
by them seeing me, someone that looks like them, you know, and someone who's totally different. Yeah, and who's relatively young. You'll be there, Mr. Henderson. Yeah. So gotcha. that's, that's my hope no. because uh, we had a terrific time last year. I have stuff laid out for them. I'm gonna try to introduce them to like cybersecurity. We're gonna do a project on machine learning. So, you know, kind of some of the, we're even going to do an activity on blockchain, you know, the the, the backbone of, of Bitcoin. So try to expose them See, to- you are talking the, over my head, brother. Okay, <laughs> but I'm digging it. I'm digging it. No. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to try to expose them to a lot of technology that are like the buzzwords and where people are getting funded millions of dollars and billions of dollars, to be honest, to build these type of things. So mm-hmm. now showing them, hey, this is what's out there. And even just by you, because we're going to give them all Raspberry Pis, you know, the $35 computers where they can, you know, come oh. take home. So, oh, that's was, great. So I was like, you're going to be able to do this on a $35 computer. Um, you, is there a website? Just let's do a quick product job. Is there a website or anything about this oh. organization or what you're doing? Because, like, I'd love to share that. So but. I'm just doing it, you know, in conjunction with the, with a professor at the University of Virgin Islands. So, okay. Um, so, so if they reach out to them somehow, they can get in touch with this program if they want to support it or? Um, they can they can probably reach out to me or uh, Professor Tim Kentop uh-huh. um, at the University of Virgin Islands. So, okay. How do they um, reach you though? Um, so do I, I email or, perhaps? Yeah, email, so uh, be like show notes, but uh, email is just at, at william.mj.hill at gmail.com. Um, okay, and I'll great. be able to talk speak about it because I'm all the materials are going to be open source and on, on GitHub. So I'm hoping that you know, as, as we teach it there, we can then you know, maybe take it to other places, other whether places. it's here in the Bay. And I would love to take it to my native Mississippi, you know, because um, so, a, a lot of schools there are, um, I gotta put it nicely. Underperforming. So, ah, to put it nicely. Yeah. yeah so okay. I, I would love to to actually take it back there, but it's gonna be something that's just gonna be open source. You can go there and download it. Okay. Uh, modify it for your own purposes, and it's gonna be targeted for you know ages uh, thirteen to seventeen. So influential. Can, yeah, and it uh, can even probably modify for younger ages because there's also gonna be a Minecraft component with it as well. Very cool. All and right. If you're looking for the hardware, it's also at raspberrypi.org. Oh. Pi is in 3.14, raspberrypi.org. Very cool. 35 Very. bucks for a machine that can... So if somebody donates 35 bucks, so they can help get a kid a, a machine? Absolutely. Wow, that's amazing. That is so cool. All right, you know what? Um, if you guys send me a link, email me. I'll post it on our Facebook and share some info on our Instagram. That's amazing. All right, real quick, number four. Um... Unfair treatment and turnover cost companies $19 billion a year. And I think you, Lauren, you kind of like touched that at the beginning. Dig deep. All right. Well, <laughs> I've been ta- I've been talking about this just like day in and day out to people. But I always like to draw, like just to go back to that, to draw the, the difference between diversity and inclusion. Um, because you can have a very diverse group of new hires but the attrition rate i've noticed just anecdotally um when i was at google the attrition rate was high for everyone google turns people over very very fast but if you look at specifically the people of color they're turning over even faster wow than the the group as a whole um i was in the the black googler network which is a an affinity group a resource group and it felt like at least once a week i would get an email from someone a goodbye email from someone and a lot of the times, I didn't get an introduction email to balance that out. So sometimes you would you would see the actual the population would be decreasing because they would be hiring 
10 people and losing 12 every single day. And that's just, that's not good at all. And that was like a norm, basically. Yes. Now, look, let's talk about this fact now. It cost them 16 billion per year. And I read I read about that um, in this article that I got all these awesome facts from, um, from Tech, Tech Republic, as I mentioned earlier. Um, now, what happened is when they found out the statistic, it was just not only that turnover that you're talking about, but how much it cost them to rehire new people cost them more. You have these agencies looking for people and you might have to pay them more, I don't know, depending on what they want and demand, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So like, like, it's hurting them in the pockets and that still doesn't seem to be enough, right? I mean, am I wrong here? I mean, it's silly. And I guess it goes back to adding diversity to the leadership. Like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, we actually got some good people. Let's like train them better, or you know, let's invest in our people versus mm-hmm. investing in trying to find other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a lot of money. It, mm-hmm. It's crazy because you hear about, especially starting probably around the time that I moved to the Bay Area, you started you know hearing all these diversity reports. Oh, this company has two percent and stuff like. So we have two percent. We're gonna we're gonna you know dedicate two. sixty million dollars. To you know, to change this number, increase our you know number of black employees. Four years later, we have two percent. So, so many times, anything else they put money behind, things just, change, right? Yeah. So, why is this not changing? Yeah. Where is this money going? You know, if you're putting sixty million behind, sixty million just doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. And they, no, no company, no matter how flush with cash if, they are, here spend sixty million dollars for no results. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Think about that. If you had a company. You have investors, right? It's public. Or, yeah, it went public, right? Um, you lost sixteen billion a year. You better be making like two trillion dollars a year to be losing sixteen billion, and then to j- justify that, like mm-hmm. that's crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It makes that's, no sense. And it makes no business or logical sense at all. And you know, another thing we keep, uh, I've, we've thrown the phrase around the the business case for diversity, and that drives me crazy. I remember. A long time ago, I had a conversation with my dad about this, and he mentioned um, someone had asked him one time about the business case for diversity, and he was like, "Why? Why is there a business case for diversity? Why? Why don't you show me the business case for homogeneity so we can see, prove to me that it's better to have everyone be the same? Why do I, we have to prove to you that it's better to be diverse?" But ironically, I was listening to KGO yesterday, and a talk show host said it might be easy to talk to Trump in his terms and he speaks in money and if you somehow find an argument he was this is a hype you know hyperbole because nothing gets through that guy right (laughs) but uh he was like hey maybe if we talk to him in terms of hey it's good to take care of the environment because you could earn more money Mm. right um it'll you know build more jobs you'll look better and he spoke to him in that generality in terms of money mm-hmm. that he might get their point across instead of just saying, oh, it's good for the earth, tree hugging, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That sounds like as if you're talking to somebody who relates in that concept. Mm-hmm. But we're dealing with, again, obviously they don't relate in that concept. Does right. that make sense? Right, it's, it's aspirational. A good, yeah, it's aspirational. If, if we were talking to each other, it's different because we can get that. Like when you're like, when you said about the app, that suggestion about the menstrual cycle, I was like, fuck yeah, that makes so much sense, why not? Mm -hmm. Like, 
conversation is very short. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, add it, code it, let's do it, okay? Um, but unfortunately, the other person on the other side of the table has to kind of meet you halfway. Even Didn't Jesus say you have to like take one step towards me? Like at least one step? Like give me something? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you're not giving much. 16 mm -hmm. billions leaving the industry. How many, how many startups can that fund? Oh. Right? Oh my God. Numerous. And they're doing it. And like you said, one year was 2%. And a few years <laughs> later, it's still 2%. So yeah. obviously, they're okay with losing $16 billion. That's crazy. Number fact, number five, and we will be done. And I can't believe how much conversation we've done today. Uh, number five, diversity efforts could net the IT industry an extra $500 billion in revenue. Oh my God, that's freaking crazy. So not only is the lack of diversity in IT killing them 16 billion, mm -hmm. but facts have proven that if you actually add honest diversity, like you mentioned, Lauren, that simple suggestion could give them 400, what is it, 400 billion more a year. It's you ridiculous. wouldn't even see the 16 billion. It's ridiculous, you know? Um, because if you look at marketing and stuff now, mm -hmm. think about every commercial you see. And it's it's such a seismic shift from like when I was younger and stuff like that. Almost everything in marketing now is backed by hip hop. I know. If you look at it, you know. Hip hop just became the number one genre in music as far as sales. Yeah. Over rock and roll, finally. Like that's... Wow. That's revolutionary. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. a lot of the, the rap isn't what I agree with, but uh, but nonetheless, our music has become number one and in then, influence. You're and right. that that music, and it's it's I guess it's symbiotic as far as the music and the culture behind the music, and that's become so popular. And then what companies do, and they take it and monetize our marketing. But you Scion can, commercial with their car and the little rats. Oh man! And it's a hip hop. They're doing break dancing and whatnot. You thought it was yeah. Run DMC, yeah. right? And then, but but then the, the way you can tell that people who are not part of the culture do it is they then use stuff out of context. Totally. Like there was an article that people were criticizing us floating around on Twitter today, talking about the word washed. Oh, it was like, oh, washed is just a, another way to say you're cool. No, it's not. Washed means I'm old. Watch means that I ain't gonna go to the club right now because I'm tired. Yeah, because yeah. I'm 30. Yeah, yeah. So like, well, then you know, if you're tired, brother, I'm 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 about to fade away to the horizon. Okay, 38, I'm done. Right. Uh, so they was like, oh, watch is another way saying you. No, you're completely out of context. So that lets me know that you are not even plugged in to the culture that you're co-opting or attempting. Yeah. So you're assuming, right? So you're assuming completely wrong. So. You know, just those those different marketing channels, because the marketing is, I mean, you're obviously marketing a product in some way. So if your marketing is off base, yep. your product blackness might be off base. has become pop culture, but you need like a black advisor to your blackness. Like, or just does that make people. sense? Or, That's what I'm or, saying. Yeah, or we like, can just, just include us, because then we can kind of like help you keep it real. Yeah. Okay, because you're keeping it real. Or just like put us, in, have a, let us, you know, us getting in positions just even make those decisions because again you know you brought up like the H and M thing but again it could be the outrage marketing it could be the outrage I guess you know you know I have questions but um um look at Blackish 
I love Blackish. Mm-hmm. First of all, let's just put that out there. But he's in a position. Remember, the first episode was he got he got promoted to a, a VP of urban, yes. right? Yes. Urban urban development or oh, something that, like that. That, that was such a me. great commercial. <laughs> I mean, a great episode yeah. about his experience. Right. But um, but then all the questions of black was up to him to answer. Remember, yeah. like mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, now nah, I'm supposed to have all the answers, right?" And that was really interesting. But that's kind of like okay fine we get that what you just said but then i don't know it's like weird because they still get all the assumptions even when he's vp in seasons to come he's still answering the black questions Mm -hmm. god i hate that's one that like particularly burns me up it's the urban because a a blog that i love has been reading for years is vsb very smart brothers and they just had an article to come out about 30 ways white people say black without saying black and urban was one of the words and I was like, if you bark at something to me in particular and call it urban, you're going to completely miss me because I grew up in Podunk, Mississippi. I'm not. I'm, totally. I'm, I'm There's in, no urban, no I'm skyscraper, in, I'm, nothing. I'm in no way urban. So you're going to completely miss me. So just by saying I urban is that, a catch all for black people. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. I think that came from, I don't know, white flight when they moved out of the city to the suburbs mm-hmm. and left us in the herbs. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know where it came from, quite honestly. You got to ask them. But, but for me, um, say I, a nice word for ghetto or a nice word for hood. Yep, totally. Or when they say ghetto, like oh, that's ghetto. That means it's black. You know, like I know, like you're not fooling anybody, right. people out there. Okay, and um, oh, she asked. Oh, she asked ghetto. It's like what's ghetto? Ghetto was a term in Warsaw. Was it Warsaw, uh, mm-hmm. Poland? Mm-hmm. Applied to Jews when Nazis caged them and contained them in neighborhoods. For, for death, basically, mm-hmm. starvation and otherwise. But now all of a sudden it's our word. Yeah, but like, they, what's up with that? It's our word <laughs> to an extent, but it's cool when they co op things from it. Like when you have like cornrows or something like that. Oh, the characteristics of ghetto? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You oh. know, whenever, you know, brothers begin getting designs cutting their head for, for decades but then you you like oh somebody gets a design cutting back oh it's a hair tattoo no oh, it's not called a hair tattoo nobody somebody calls said that, that? Mm-hmm. yes oh my god nobody nobody calls it a that. hair mm-hmm. tattoo because it stays there forever right oh not like- apparently so i guess your hair never grows back once the design. <laughs> hair never grows i would back. still have like a nike sign apparently still in yeah, my head nike sign, yeah. I, was I would have a mercedes because that was the eight like the 80s and 90s like mercedes everything <laughs> was a thing anyway um oh have you heard of boxer braids i'm like okay well the Bo Derek braids, so oh, what gosh. they call them, yeah, like just ridiculous. Cool. Wow. Okay, and that goes to man. If they, the well, Kim Card- the Kardashian braid, uh, that's the worst. The Kim what? The Kardashian braids. When they had just braids in the back that any those were hers all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, she made them up. She made mm-hmm. them had never been done before. Nope. And to Kim done them. Okay, that that is a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but. I mean, let's just talk capitalism because they love the, the you know, this, um, the executives, not 83% of white folks, right? White people love capitalism. They love making money. Mm-hmm. But even this fact of adding diversity can add 400 billion to revenue. And that still doesn't seem to get across. $16 billion losing every year doesn't get across. So I guess it kind of goes back to like what we were saying earlier, we mentioned a few times, like how do we maybe 
take some of this effort and invest in ourselves. And I know mm. you're going to St. Croix mm. and that's amazing. I think that's so dope. Um, what can we do to make tech cool? I guess I want to kind of like conclude in saying, how can we make it as cool as dribbling a basketball where like, mm. hey man, I want to go through my adolescence dribbling code. Mm. Does that make sense? Or yeah. being intellectual? Because a lot of times, my experience was intellectual was threatening in our own community. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, you think you're better or um, you're too good. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because many times when we do that, we never look back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you assimilate mm -hmm. into those neighborhoods where it's not really us right. mm -hmm. and we just don't look back. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Maybe it came from that, I don't know, but how can we make tech cool? Because that's the only way it's gonna happen. Yeah. I think... Um, Facebook ain't cool, they ain't on it. They're on right. Instagram, Instagram's cool. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think um, it, it ties into two of the things we've already talked about before. And one kind of being, you know, capitalism, because if, if nothing else, you know, and for better or worse, our community is definitely can can definitely be more materialistic sometimes than, than we should be. But a lot of times we can point to, hey, this is an avenue where you can make a good living, where you can make really, really good money. And, you know, how do we connect that? How do we connect somebody or uh, a segment of people who, first of all, live in an area where it does, you don't see tons of opportunity? Yeah. Or, or mobility. Right. right? doors being presented not not just being able to knock on them but being presented right. and then saying hey man you can make shit six figures coming out of college yeah. mm -hmm. now let's be honest with ourselves here let's be honest in other communities they're telling those kids that from like day one I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right I think he's Hawaiian I'm not sure if he's Japanese or Hawaiian Robert Kiyosaki yeah. right I'm not gonna assume but He's, he said that was the profound thing. The rich dad was telling his kids from day one, this is how you run a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the poor dad, wasn't that he was poor, but he had a poor mentality and he wouldn't tell his son, no, this is grown folk business basically, mm -hmm. and let me deal with it and you go be a kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we be the rich dad here? I don't know, I mean, I keep my, I, my head, I keep going back to when I was younger and you were talking about making it cool. And I just want to preface this, I was not cool by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination, but amongst the nerds, I was like kind of cool. So, oh, cool. You know, but no, but seriously, what what made me want to explore this more was the fact that you could take something and make it your own, yeah. and that was what made you cool. Mm. People would look at your, you know, your MySpace or your whatever it was that you were messing around with, and yours was cool and people like wanted custom to know Nikes. how can I get mine like yours exactly yeah. how can I get mine like yours what did you do to get yours like that and so I think that the age of customizable UI is long past I think that none of these companies are going to let people mess with the UI ever again like they did on MySpace but there has to be something that's the next thing the next thing that you can make your own you know I, I've seen people even starting to do with Instagram they'll put these Instagram layouts where they'll take like 12 or 9 pictures yeah, or whatever and they'll that. make it into a layout you know yeah. someone came up with that and now all of a sudden everyone's doing it yeah. so there has to be some sort of way going forward for people like to story use, skins right yeah. exactly like it's for people to use technology in some kind of creative way kind of, and kind of associate it with them got it yeah. but we gotta connect the not only the using the end 
of technology when it's done and being made. We, how do what I mean? What I mean by cool is not that it's cool. Like, hey man, I'm the coolest kid on the block. Mm-hmm. You know, like newest pair of shoes, and he's always got the sickest car and the right. hottest partner or whatever. Uh, but more or less, like, like, um, almost as cool as a basketball player, yeah. and those aspirations to be one or a rapper. Right or a DJ or producer, mm-hmm. right? Like that is if you said it and you're young, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, right on, that's awesome, that's dope, it's whatever. Like there's just almost no questioning, mm-hmm. right. you know, it's just go for it or good luck or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you have a football in your hand, it's not really a question. You're trying to get to college and mm-hmm. NFL. You already see the progression. Mm-hmm. But when you say the end app and making it personalized and everything. But even to get to the point where you have to learn C plus plus, like how do you make that cool, man? Like uh, one, <laughs> how do you make I make C plus plus. I would suggest any kid try C plus plus. Like we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna give them like a better introductory <laughs> language. That was like something that I had a gripe with in my school. I was like, why would y'all start us on this? It's, that's it's crazy. like y'all was setting us up to fail. That's wow. <laughs> but I'm so sorry they did that to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's terrible. You're I'm, really cool now. Once, once I finished those classes, I never looked back to it. What? Um, but either way, um, as you were saying this, because I was like, yeah, it's it. Because I, I think about my own nephew, and he's very inquisitive himself. Because um, I, I bought him kind of like you know the little bits and stuff like that where he can do a little coding. But he was like, you know, and it's unfortunate that I live so far away. And mm-hmm. he was like, because I want to do it. He's like, I want to do it with you, you know, because he calls me Uncle M. He was like, I want to, you know, want you to be here and do it with me. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, at least introduce him to things. But one thought I kind of had as you were kind of talking about this is kind of what's like cool with children now? Followers. Like social media is kind of cool with children now. So if we if we can even equate their technical skills was like oh you may get more followers from this maybe that's even an avenue we can kind of go because i mean you see uh, even though it seems like a tribe what's the girl little tay or whatever mm-hmm. uh, who apparently i guess somebody just feeds her lines and she say them but you know so like twitch and those like that you know on different platforms getting a lot of followers so even if we can at least do something like that, because with those followers, it gives it the children, I guess. And I know there can be a, a slippery slope because of all the negative interactions that could go on. Mm-hmm. But I can see children kind of equate that with coolness now if you have followers. Mm-hmm. So if there's some kind of way, I guess we can tie together like, hey, if you're good at this technology, you're going to have followers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's going to look cool so well, i don't know exactly see, how to do that yeah and i hear what you're saying and it still feels like to me i'm playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. that's the end result it's like okay you got the technology mm-hmm. i think not i think i can proclaim that i know that black youth know how to use technology mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. They may have scruffy shoes, but shit, they know how to get up on that iPhone, I'll tell you that, yeah. right? So the using of technology, but creating it mm. yeah. and saying, I can do that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. From nothing. Because mm. right? that's where Facebook came from, mm-hmm. from an idea and a code. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And saying, I can do that. And it's easy for a white kid to see Zuckerberg. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get the relationship. Mm-hmm. But how do I make it where it's cool for a kid instead of a basketball? Not saying basketball is wrong, but like, hey, I don't have to be a basketball player. I want to get into at least I see Lauren's about to jump all over this. I think I think we need to do a better job of showing 
kids and people in general who's actually making this technology because if you think about it the reason people you know it's cool to be a basketball player right because mm -hmm. everybody's got a tv everybody goes home and watches basketball and mm -hmm. you can see that person in your house you can see them doing what they do you can mm -hmm. see a musician you can see any of these other jobs and when it comes to tech everybody has not everybody, but a lot of kids have access to tech in some way now. You know, like you were mm. saying, a lot of kids have access to phones and apps and whatever, but it's faceless, right? There's no, mm. you can't look Human. at Instagram and see, if you ask anybody in the street who made Instagram, nobody, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know if I have the right answer. I'm not going to say I it. But the guy I know who exactly. owns it now. Like, yeah, no. Facebook. <laughs> right. you know? But if you ask, if you ask people who made the stuff that you care about, right. nobody knows. And if you ask about music, oh, who made that song you like? People totally. instantly know who the that producer, was. Right. The producer, the rapper, who featured on it. They know all yep. the actors in every movie. They know everything. But if you ask who made all your favorite apps on your phone, or even where were they? What country were and they in? Nobody uh, knows. I can't even say anything about that. You're right. Mm -hmm. That's so profound. But yet, we it's so part of our life on a day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And we'll never go and touch a rapper or mm -hmm. whoever it is we're into. Mm -hmm. Right? You're so right. That is like, that's amazing. And that is how we're going to conclude. Um, I so appreciate you both hanging in there. We had a lot of, I mean, that was great juju, like yeah. so much meat on that bone. Um, again, this conversation, basically, we wanted to discuss about blacks and our relationship with technology, not just blacks in tech, because you two are blacks in tech, mm -hmm. you know whether you like it or not uh welcome <laughs> oh, to the I club it. <laughs> Own it. Uh, but our relationship to technology and hopefully we've inspired or at least opened a conversation for others to maybe think about the option for them or maybe someone they know to get into tech and that there are coalitions and fellowships that they can look for are there any specific that you would recommend you to that's why yeah that's a, uh, a thing I'm, I'm glad you brought up is Lauren and I both kind of went the traditional route, but there are other avenues within tech now. Even the, the boot camp, which I, I taught at one, the boot camp can be a little bit leaning towards more so the privilege side because, okay. you know, it could be a, yeah, it's a lot shorter. You can basically go from zero to, you know, at least junior software engineer in a course of like 12 weeks or something like that where you can, but it can be a healthy financial investment for some people. Yeah. Now, but there is one, um, actually I found out about and. I'm not affiliated with them anyway, but I'll, I'll plug them a little bit called Lambda School that I found out about recently. Uh, they're completely online. Um, you you take the courses, you know, okay. taught remotely. And the cool thing about it that allows it, you know, for say for people who are from, you know, more modest backgrounds or things like that is that you don't pay for a Lambda School until you get a job as a software engineer making at least $50,000 annually. Do they help you get that? Yeah, I think they have kind of like a placement and stuff. So you go through the entire program, you learn all the skills. Now, I guess they have, because it's, it's a company that went through Y Combinator, so they're you know, well-funded and stuff like that. So um, I just had a, a, a conversation with one of the founders uh, about okay. a month or so ago. And I think they do help you know get placement, because he gave some stories about some people, like one guy went from like you know stacking boxes in a warehouse to being a like iOS developer at Uber, making like 90K. What? Like that. Yeah. So, so they have different success stories listed on their website. Threw that box away real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm not affiliated with them, but I think it's something um, that uh -huh. you know people can look into. Is there a website for it or? Uh, I see the lambdaschool.com or lambdaschool.org or something okay. like that. So okay. So at least people, you know, they can they can go through the program and not have to you know do the financial investment up front. 
which oh, you know is a amazing. is a barrier for a lot of people. And then they'll totally. pay back. I think it's seventeen percent of the salary um, over wow. two years once they're making over fifty k. So at least that's something an alternative route to kind of get in the get tank. in the door. Yeah, and but get in the door exactly. Yeah. And there are other boot camps, and then you know there's like Udemy, Udacity, a lot of online resources where you can kind of go on and learn at your own pace as well. Okay, mm-hmm. and learning. there's a lot of uh, organizations dedicated to younger people as well. Mm-hmm. So there's okay. Black Girls Code, Girls Who Code. Clearly, oh, I have an agenda here. I'm trying to get girls here. Yeah, let's <laughs> do that. Let's do that. You know, I have a beautiful daughter, and she wants to get into graphic design, and I was like. Can you minor in computer science just a little bit? <laughs> just to, you know, job secure. You know, you yeah. never know, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that's beautiful. So, what 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 would you recommend? Um, so for for kids, I would definitely recommend if you're in a place where they have a program like Black Girls Code, that's super great because you can go and you can meet people, you can see them in the flesh and see, okay, these are people who I can look up to. You know, this is and a real to. person I can relate to mm. who does this for a living. Okay. Um, and I would, th- I would say even beyond that, like I know Minecraft, there's a bunch of games that allow you to kind of mm-hmm. explore that programming mindset. And even if it's not really looking Minecraft, at you huh? know, Java code mm-hmm. or something, but there's a lot of games that are kind of modular and allow kids to learn that sort of- The um, logic of, that sort of logic. putting yeah. things together. Yeah, um, Minecraft, Scratch, Code yeah. Combat, all of those things, are, they're basically writing code hidden in a game. Mm. Are there coalitions or like Facebook groups for uh, fellow black nerds out there? What's going on? Like Um, coding folks? There's a lot of different things. There's even something I wish I could be at right now. It's called BlurredCon. Actually happened in the DC area. So Blurred? BlurredCon. So so black nerds, they, they they put together you know their own convention i think this is their wow. second year in the dc area i really wish i could have made it to that's it. amazing i would have done the podcast from there <laughs> yeah great yeah so i think it's happening right now um this weekend uh so you, you, you know about me. this Laura? no you didn't even tell me about this like, oh i would have gone oh, yeah i was like <laughs> I uh, we had to do it. this uh in a couple of weeks i guess you yeah. know uh, but that's beautiful yeah, that's is there a website for it or no? I just know of their Twitter handle, and I think it's just at BlurredCon. Okay, I'll, um, they, I'll I'm sure they have out. a website where you can go and buy the tickets and stuff. Okay. Actually, one I will tell you about uh, my wife. She just brought this one to me the other day. There's going to be a WakandaCon in Chicago the first weekend of August. Well, I smelt that coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, WakandaCon. WakandaCon. Man, um, you better get your dashikis ready. Yeah, I tell you that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing if I can make it over there. Uh, I think it's supposed to be like August third through fifth or something like that. Oh wow! Tickets are like thirty five bucks. It's like, oh, wow. like very modest. It's just you know getting just to get there. Yeah, just getting to Chicago. So what? Uh, so that's yeah. awesome. So it's it's, a, it's several okay. communities out there of like kind of you know black people who are kind of into different things and then. Um, Gosh, it was one for was it Black Girl Nerds or something like that? I think you know has a pretty strong community on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is it called? Black Girl Nerds. It's a oh a, yeah, I did, an I, online I, publication. Yeah, I, I've heard of that actually. Black Girl Nerds. Um, I forgot where in the heck I heard that, but I love the I love the sound of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, it. Uh, again, I know I'm like plugging a bunch of stuff here. A lot of these I don't have any affiliation to. It's just things that I think are cool. One that I'm gonna plug. I actually met these guys uh, last year, and it was it was crazy because they're actually from Mississippi, and we know some of the same people. It's a brother who's actually in the NBA. Johnny O'Brien created a black-owned, black-targeted anime and manga company. What called Noir Caesar? Okay, that's 
And they were at Crunchyroll convention out here in San Jose, or you know, Santa Clara last year. They're actually, and this is another thing, I wish I could be several places at once right now. They're at anime, the big animated convention in uh, LA right now, Anime Expo. They're actually debuting their first anime tonight. Wow. So uh, I really. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and that's a bit nerdy. That's cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's a, crazy because yeah. this dude. <laughs> Dude, six foot ten. Like I remember seeing him because I remember heard his name years ago because he went to the same high school as one of my groomsmen, um, uh, and I remember hearing his name. And I walked up. I was like, "Is that him?" And I so I was talking to him. He's the founder, and then one of the co-founders was actually the teacher of one of my other groomsmen. So it was like we just sit there, you know, talked about stuff from being being from Mississippi and, for a little bit. Yeah. And, and now, like I said, they have several manga in print. Um, they do some digital and they're just releasing their first like kind of in print um, and what you said this what con was this at that, 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 that? they're at Anime Expo right Anime now in Expo. LA but the name of the company oh, is Nor, Nor Caesar and they're releasing their first an, the first episode of their first anime yeah. tonight well awesome Big oh and one more that. thing yeah uh, to, to get back to more of the, the job search things like that <laughs> um there's a program called Floodgate Academy. Oh, shout out to the VARS. Yeah, it's run by a friend of ours. Uh, okay. it's, um, it's a great program. So it's basically a program where they alternate between three months of uh, classroom training and three months of sort of more like on the job co-op style mm. training, uh, but the program is free. So there's a couple other programs that do similar things, but they will cost you, you know, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Um, so this program is free. That's and they, they also help you get a job afterwards. They help you with that process. And that's beautiful because um, what is beautiful is the fact that half of your suggestions, actually more of yours than half, are don't require money up front. Mm -hmm. And as we said, when it comes to resources, we're talking about finances too. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there are avenues. So if you are someone who is doesn't have all the fundage and access to resources as your other counterparts in your school, don't worry, there's a program for you. Check out any of these programs. And if not, feel free to send me a message. I think I have, yeah, I have my email on my podcast channel. You can send me a message at micrazy247 at gmail.com and I'll forward it over to either of you if that's yeah. okay if Absolutely. they need help yeah. and, and everything can I actually plug one more thing you feel plug away <laughs> you know we made so, it this far why not right <laughs> so I actually just want to plug the organization that both Laura and I are part of, actually the, where we where we you oh, know, yeah. met and became colleagues called Dev Color so it's a collective of black software engineers and the first chapter was based here in the Bay Area I think we're what well over 200 strong now yeah and, damn yeah and um chapter opened last year in new york and then it's going to expand to two more cities i think by the end of the year wow so it's all about hashtag takeover yeah so it's all about <laughs> you know a lot of those connections that we talked about you know that we don't have you know not being from the certain schools and stuff like yeah. that dev color is trying to build those connections within our community like an alumni almost yeah mm -hmm. exactly because you know if, if say if I'm interested in X company now there's a dev color member at almost totally, every company totally. out here so yeah. now I I have more of an avenue in with a referral like, like a lot of like expectations people. during exactly. the interview yes yes right so that, mm. that other people use that you know to kind of get their foot in the door so you know we're we're you know uh, I found founder uh, Mackenzie Adiagbo you know took it upon himself he's a former engineer at, at Pinterest oh, okay. and you know struck out created this. And is is building it from the ground up, and you know has a has a strong network of engineers at any company you name it out here. We have engineers there now. And That's we're, we're amazing to, to bring more people in, and the people we have them to bring them up. 
that's that's beautiful and you're a part of this uh, yes, collective too yes. that's that's absolutely amazing and um i do want to say thank you so much will for not only coming out and hanging out for all this time mm-hmm. uh but bringing beautiful lauren here your insight was i love just how because as a man i'm not gonna lie i was a little ignorant obviously i was like yeah the app is great but then when you mentioned it's like uh duh <laughs> and i wasn't objective to it but i was just like it just totally threw right over mm-hmm. my head not on a like a uh, not in it like a like i'm against it but it was just just because i'm a guy i guess i don't want to be as stupid as just saying it <laughs> but having that perspective is like duh mm-hmm. and i hope I appreciate both of your time giving me your input and unfortunately I don't get to dig into the minds of black engineers and as you as we discovered there's not too many of us out there so um, it was really good to to have your time I really appreciate it Um, feel free I can post do you want me to post your Instagrams on anything I'm sure that's that's okay I could share their Instagrams if you guys want to see it I'll post it on the description of the podcast so check them out on Instagram you can check us out on Instagram too am I crazy so feel free to follow if you have any topics comments or opinions that you think is worth discussing please send me a message at micrazy247 at gmail that's crazy with a k until next time make sure to ask yourself when shit goes down am i crazy thank you for listening